Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Chasing Easy podcast, where we talk to real life people with real life experiences and testimonies to be able to share with all of you out there in our listening audience to encourage, inspire, and promote wellness. Um, and that could be emotional, physical, or mental. So today we have a, a really special gift. Um, Brandy is going to be joining us. And she's going to talk about her journey into wholeness, which is what all of us really seek. And she's got some some pretty crazy things that have happened in her journey. So I really want her to to be able to speak into your lives. Um, It will be something that will impact you in a way that you probably aren't expecting. So hold on to your seat while we go through this little journey with Brandy. Brandy, I just want to welcome you to the podcast, and I appreciate your time and your willingness to be able to speak into the uh, into others' lives. Well, thank you so much for having me. You are Happy welcome. You know, I didn't realize your hair was so long. It is. It's yeah. really beautiful. It's getting ridiculous. Uh, I didn't realize it either. I'll lean on the counter sometimes and go to move, and I'm like, oh, oh, that's my hair. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys, I had to do that because, I mean, if you're just listening to this and you don't see her hair, so maybe you'll go home and pull the podcast up so you can see her hair. Anyways, <laughs> and for somebody who has very short hair, it's different. So I, I would like to talk about, I know that you have a whole lot that you could share, but in the interest of a short period of time that we have, I'd really <laughs> like you to talk about the relationship that you had where you discovered that maybe things weren't right. And then how that led into your next job on a stage. And then we'll take it back to where you are today. All righty. Well, I actually um, wound up on a stage when I was about 1920. I'm trying to think about, yeah, I guess it was 1920 years old. Um, And for me, it was a very, um, really, I guess, almost depressing time in my life. Um, when my son was born, he um, was adopted by my aunt when he was two. So I had him when I was 17. So this all started right around the time he left. And that just started for me an incredibly downward spiral, just personally. Um, okay, hang on one second. So the relationship, the dad, mm-hmm. what happened there that he left and now you you have a two-year-old and you're trying to manage everything at 19 years old. So kind of crazy story, actually. Um, I met him, he was actually in Demolay, like through the Masonic Lodge. So he was this, you know, presented as all these people are going, I don't know how to describe it, you know, but generally you would think somebody that's involved in that, you know, has their, their crap together, so to speak, you know, they're a good person. Um, and you find out really quickly, sometimes not so much. Um, we had gotten together, we were dating and, um, you know, probably, you know, not my first love, but definitely, you know, somebody I was completely just enamored with, you know, he was mm-hmm. incredible, still is very, um, outgoing and gregarious and involved in all kinds of like charity events and just all this stuff and like the life of the party kind of guy. Um, and that was attractive to me, you know, um, we got together and, um, I wound up actually we broke up before I even knew I was pregnant. Um, I had found out he had been cheating. Um, Hmm. he had gone, actually he was smart enough to go to another area of the state to do that as, as the universe would have it. 
the girl that he chose, <laughs> so crazy. Um, I had just moved here from California. So I didn't really have any high school friends or people that I knew other than family. So my cousin, Freddie, who is my age, were like brother and sister. I had only ever been to a, a school event with him. And mm -hmm. I, when I was there, I met this girl that he was really good friends with, loved her. She was amazing. And slowly but surely, you know, because we were both, you know, Freddie's my cousin, she's his best friend. Both of us girls were going to him and talking about this great guy that we knew. How crazy was it that we were both dating a guy named John? Oh, goodness. Got a little bit more obvious when we decided, discovered that this particular person had a best friend named Iggy. That's an odd hmm. name. Um, right. Absolutely the same person. And so I, that, I caught Ooh. that and immediately cut it off. Like it was, like I said, just so weird how the universe works. Like I didn't know anyone here. She was from mm -hmm. a completely different town. The one girl he, he decides to mess around with is the only girl I happen to have anything in common with. So we broke up. It was right before Christmas and New Year's came around. Um, I just, from the time I was a young girl, that was always the time that, you know, my menstrual cycle came was always on New Year's Eve. You know, it was the first time I ever got it was on New Year's Eve. So this was like, you know, not nothing new for me. And this particular New Welcome Year's Eve. Welcome to the new year. Right. It didn't come. Welcome to the new year. Hey. Hey. <laughs> um, so I found out I was pregnant, which was super scary. Um, we weren't together anymore. Like it was this, I was young. I was 17. Um, my mother was a single mom. My dad was in jail. Um, and I didn't even know how to tell her. You know, like, how do I even tell my mother that this is, this is what I've done. This is where I'm at. Like, what are we going to do? Um, yeah. And That's I did. Scary. It was scary. Oh yeah. She was not, not happy. Um, and actually in the beginning, he came to my mother's house. He offered to move in, wanted to be there. He was going to, you know, and I'll never forget it. He actually, um, he came in and he asked me, well, he said something about us getting married. And I said, what? No. <laughs> well, yeah, we have to get married. I said, no, I wouldn't marry you if I wasn't pregnant. Why would I marry you just because I am? Whoa, hold on a second. Because <laughs> that's so counter. Yes. Listen, what you said is just profound wisdom. And it's so counter. Most girls, 17 years old, who find themselves in an unplanned pregnancy, mm -hmm. if, the, if the daddy comes along and says, I want to marry you, they're marrying him. Right. But you had the courage to say, and you, you got to say it exactly the way you just said it, because that was incredible. I did. I, you know, why would I marry you? Just, you know, I wouldn't marry you if I wasn't pregnant. Why would I marry you just because I am? <sighs> wow. That that's, that's incredible courage and brevity and wisdom at 17 years old. Yeah. But I think and, in some I think in some ways it came from a place of just being betrayed. Like I was so betrayed by him over what he had done. It just wasn't even, like I said, it wasn't a thought. I wasn't going to do that. But how many women are with men who have cheated and continue to cheat and they're not leaving that relationship? So Lots. you're hitting on a whole lot of things here that we could probably spend hours on, but oh, yeah. we're not. So don't worry, <laughs> audience. We're, we're going to keep it. We're going to keep it structured and focused. But I just want you to realize that just the, the power 
and the self-respect that you displayed by doing that. Mm -hmm. And also at 17 years old, I'm sure that you had dreams and desires and things. And now the fact that you chose life is another sign of just an incredible brevity Mm -hmm. and courage. So I'll, I'll let you continue. So he's no longer in the picture. He wanted to get in the picture. He so, said, nope, he, wanted to get the picture. Well, he, did move, he did move in briefly in our basement um, and things just weren't good. Uh, you know, we arguing all the time. We actually got into an argument one night where I was terrified. Um, he had me in the, like a corner of the basement where I couldn't get out. And his rage was just scary. He was so angry and I was so terrified. Um, Hmm. and he had thrown an iron across the room um luckily he didn't hit me but in that moment I was so afraid I had picked up a glass and I'm a terrible aim anyway so there was no I no thought that I would hit him with it but I thought if I throw this glass and I distract him I can get to the stairwell and get out which is what I did I threw the glass he was infuriated and as he was you know concerned with the broken glass I I ran out um and he left after that I didn't didn't see him, didn't have anything to do with him. Um, I think the first time we saw each other, my son was like four months old. Wow. Look at your survival instincts too. Um, Yeah. How do I get out of this situation where I'm terrified? Right, right. uh, And and you, gosh, that's okay. I'm continuing to be impressed. I'm I'm sure the audience (laughs) is thinking, Whoa, what's up with this chick? Well, I'm telling you, it's a, cry, <laughs> I have a crazy life story. <laughs> um, wow. so, you know, visitation with him was hit and miss. Eventually he got together with a girl and they were going to be married. They saw Jimmy like off and on, you know, mm-hmm. um, and then there was a week where he didn't get returned to me on Sunday. Um, they asked to keep him a few days longer. I allowed it. This went on for a few days. And finally I showed up to get him. Um, and you and I talked a little bit about that when I went and picked him up, he had been injured, um, and was just black and blue. I took him to the hospital where doctors informed me that those were not accidental. Someone Mm -hmm. had inflicted those injuries, (laughs) which led into courts and all these other things. Um, and eventually, um, after a couple months of supervised visitation and all the other things that went down legally, he came back to me again with a black eye and, um, expressed to me that someone was hurting him. So yeah, at 17 and again, all those years ago, we didn't have the same laws that we have in place now to protect children. Right. So you know, he was too young to testify himself to any of the things that were going on. Um, and so my father and my aunt stepped in and my aunt actually wound up adopting him and taking him with her. Um, okay. which, For his you know, own safety and well-being. So, right. you know, that was a, there, there is a stigma, Brandy, with, with adoption. And the stigma is, it's a horrible thing to do as a birth mother. And what Which you're declaring now, but it, it, it's our society. It's what right. we believe, I mean, weird, what we think. It's weird that we're talking about this because I was thinking about this last night. I was actually in the bathtub taking a bath 
And I started to think about all these things. And I was like, you know, it's insane to me that to have a child and, and give a child to a family who can't have children, a woman who can't, you know, give birth herself, that somehow that's a horrible thing, but taking the life of that child and not giving it any opportunity at all, that's perfectly okay. Like, I don't understand where, where yeah. we justify that. And we don't, and I don't understand it because we're the only creatures that do, right? So in the yeah. wild, or even with, we raised cats when I was a child. My mother had a cattery. We always had kittens coming. You know, there were, there were times when, for whatever reason, a mother cat couldn't take care of her children or they die in child, you know, giving birth. And another female cat would then just take those babies in, you know? Oh, wow. They, they, other creatures do that. I mean, you see, yeah. you know, heartfelt things on the internet and it blows my mind that when you look at those comments and I've had friends that, you know, post these pictures, you know, look at this puppy that took in this kitten, you know, or this dog that took in this kitten with its litter, all these wonderful things. And then are the same people posting posts that are like pro-choice. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like, why are we the only creatures that have some sort of, like, that's a bad thing. That's a wonderful yeah. thing. And, and that could be a whole nother discussion. And it's so Absolutely. politically Absolutely. charged that, you know, mm -hmm. we'll, but, but you're right. I mean, we, we really, there, there's no explanation or understanding of it. Uh, no, especially I mean, I lost a lot of friends. I really did. I lost a lot of friends when that took place, you know, women that yeah. just absolutely didn't understand how I could do that. And I was like, well, how can I keep him here? and risk him continuing to go somewhere where he's being injured by, you know, whomever's doing it, or I can, you know, let my aunt take him and she can protect him. She had the means to protect him. They had the means to give him a good life. That was something yeah. that I, at that age and that time frame, couldn't do, you yeah. know, clearly I wish so, I could have. But the decision that you made there, you know, was a decision coming from a place of love Absolutely. And, and nothing Absolutely. else. And that's what, what that whole scenario of adoption is about. It is loving a child into somebody else's loving arms. Right. Um, yeah. But again, you know, we, we could go into a whole nother tangent on this, but let, I'm going to stay focused. So now right. you're, so, so, so now you're, son, you're by yourself. My son goes up for adoption. I am, I'm by myself. And again, I lost a lot of very close friends. Um, and so the people left behind while at the time I would have said, oh, these were my friends. They were not, you know, these were people who were partying and using and all these other things. And I found the easiest way to deal with it, to not just sit in a room and cry and just be in that, that place was to get high, you know? So, well, and if you're surrounded by friends that were doing that, it was probably pretty easy to go down that path is my Absolutely. guess right these weren't friends who were like oh come here and let me cry with you they were like hey do this line and we'll go have fun and you'll you know forget about it and so yeah and that's what I did and so you know I actually started I really started dancing right before Jimmy left just as a means to make money because I'm a single mom you went into mm -hmm. it like most women do I'm gonna go in here I'm gonna do this job so I can make money and get on my feet you know, get money together for school or for a home or for this or that. And then I'll be done with it. It, it, it doesn't that work easy, that right? It, it's not, you know, I mean, all of the years that I was involved in that, and even now as an adult and knowing people who do that, 
one out of, you know, the hundreds of dancers I knew were, were able to do that. It's not an easy thing to do um, on any level. You know, yeah. is, is they're fun. Yeah, there's fun. You know, there's fun in getting high. Let's face it. You know, the first couple of times you do a line, it's a lot of fun. Eventually it's not mm. fun, but it always yep. starts out fun. You know, sure being in the bar and the loud music and dancing. Ooh, this is fun. But then having to deal with like on a nightly basis, the, just the derogatoriness of it. Like it's so derogatory, you know, men just throwing money at you or asking you to do ridiculous things. I remember um, being on stage one night and you would walk around the bar afterwards and collect money. And there were these guys at the bar and they'd been drinking and came around and he threw this hundred dollar bill on the table. And he said, you can have it if you can pick it up, but you can't use your hands. And I remember I looked at him mm. and I said, I'm not a pet. I don't do dog tricks. And like, I just kept walking. I was like, what am I doing here? Like, this is so, you know what I mean? Like, this is not, it's really not the glamorous thing that they put on TV. It's just not, you know, it's, it's men grabbing you or touching you or asking you to do vile things on a regular basis. And in, in ways that, you know, in ways that you just can't justify in your right mind. So if you just aren't in your right mind, then you don't have to worry about it. You know, so then comes being high and, and just to right. be then clear, what we're talking about on the right, you do a few shots, we're, we're talking about stage and ma- male entertainment. So we're, we're talking about, you know, the the strip clubs, as, as most people call them. So right. I just wanted to be clear if you couldn't get it from the description, which I think most <laughs> of the audience would. Right. But right. just to understand that the lore and the draw is one to say come here, have a great life. And then you end up, you know, you go with one intention, you end up going a different good money, really quick and easy. Yeah. That's the draw. Right. And the thing is, then the reality, right. And the thing is, is the reality is, is even as you get older, you realize nothing in life is easy. Huh? There's that that chasing easy thing again. Right. Right. It's not easy. So there's some price that you're paying. And in that case, you're paying the price of your own self-respect, you know, your own morals, your own everything gets thrown on the table and just mixed up and thrown around and just, you know, and so, right. Your choices are you either leave that or you find a way to, to deal with that, you know, and in most cases with girls, like I said, it usually starts off with a couple of shots before you go up on stage to get the nerves out, you know? I mean, I don't, I don't really know too many women, especially in that age bracket who are a hundred percent confident and, and, and secure within their own bodies. And now you're going up on a stage and bearing that body for all to see, you know, you're not in a position where you can wear a little long shirt and cover up this stretch mark or, you know, do this or do that. And so it's literally just, you know, how do you do that? You know, well, you find a way to find that. And generally it's through, you know, all like liquid courage or any kind of alternative courage you can find. Um, yeah, that's and, good. And that, that's good. And I fell right into that same, that same line, you know, and I did it for many, many years. Well, not too many. I shouldn't say that. I think I'm altogether. I was 21 when I stopped. Um, ironically, that's where I met my first husband. Was at the club. Was at the club. Yep. I was a dancer and he was a patron. He played baseball or softball for the bar's softball team. And they had come in after a game. And that's how we met. Um, and so we started our relationship. 
I wound up getting pregnant again. Um, this was mm -hmm. four years later. So um, I stopped, very abruptly just stopped dancing. I was going to, I guess, have this, this picture perfect picket fence life. That was my, you know, here it is. This perfect man's been brought to me. I don't know why I thought the perfect man would be brought to me in a strip club. Not sure where my brain was at on that one, but that's what I thought. So um, yeah, I started this relationship with him. We, we had Brianna. Um, we moved in together. Yeah, we had a home. And I guess from the outside, it seemed pretty, I think a lot of people were shocked when that fell apart, but it was never really all that together anyway, if I'm honest. Yeah. You know, yeah. even our marriage. And it's funny because recently, actually in the last year, him and I have spoken um, a little bit about, you know, what happened in our relationship and all of those things. But even if I am honest with it, and I think if he was honest too, and we look at it, even our marriage didn't start off on a normal foot. Like most people, you get married because you love each other. We right. got married in a conversation or decided to get married, having a conversation in our bedroom about taxes. Okay, <laughs> that, so, that's different. Right, our wedding was completely planned out. He had never proposed. We had never had any of that. As a matter of fact, weirdly, his proposal came a few months before we got married. We got married in May wow. and in February, he did the, and I, it was very sweet, whatever he, you know, him and his brother planned this thing where he would actually propose. But at that point, the church was booked, the dresses were bought, like everything was planned. So it wasn't, yeah. you know what I mean? Like it just wasn't. Yeah, but here, I want to, I want to touch on something. We've got probably about sure. minutes left. So the one thing that I want to touch on is when we first started this interview, you said that you were at a place where you were depressed when you started dancing. Mm -hmm. And the reason that I want to touch on that is because there are a lot of women who wear a mask where everything looks good on the outside and they're falling apart on the inside. And it begins with what we think about ourselves. So Absolutely. what would you say to somebody who is, is feeling like they're stuck somewhere and they're in this state of depression? Is, is there something that spoke into your life that allowed you to see you for who you are and that you are loved and that you are cherished and that you are worthy and that you don't have to live the life that you were living? What, what happened there and what could you do to pay it forward to the audience so they know it can happen for them too? Part of it was my children, uh, you know, and I mean, children absolutely change your perspective on everything. Um, and I don't know if early on it was, I think early on circumstances got me out of it. But looking back at it, you know, it, it, it's not letting go of hope for one. You know, none of us are perfect human beings. We all make mistakes. You know, I, I recently said to someone, um, we have someone in our family who's made some mistakes in life and, but gets really chastised by the family. And I made the statement, why? Because her skeleton is sitting on the couch next to us and yours are under the bed. Like people get really oh. good at hiding things under, mm. you know, under whatever it is that they want to. And they don't want to be honest about, it, again, the most perfect person has something in their lifetime that they don't like or they're not proud of or that they don't want to show to the world. Just because they don't show it to you doesn't mean it's not there. Oh, that's so good. You know? That's powerful. It's, it's okay to make those mistakes. It's okay to do all of those things and, and you can find your way out. 
you know? Yeah. And you, so and one you of need my... to find a way out however you can, whether that means you you search for, you know, what it is you need on your own or you 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 know, reach out to someone to help you out of that. You know, no one's stuck in a in a in a hole forever. Unless they want to be. And so the point there is unless you want to to... absolutely it's like if you take a boat out into the ocean, you know, if you row, even with just your hands, if you don't have oars, you're eventually that boat's gonna go somewhere. If you just sit Mm -hmm. in it, you're right, it's not gonna go anywhere. You know, yeah, by chance you might get a breeze that blows it, but you actually have to make an effort at some point to try, you know, and again, it won't happen overnight. You know, it's not like if you make a decision today that I'm gonna be better tomorrow, that everything's gonna be perfect tomorrow. It's not just a little bit better tomorrow than it is today. Just a little bit better the next day than it was the other day. So one of my mantras is perfectly imperfect. And so what you just said there is we all have those skeletons in our closet. If somebody says that they don't, they're lying. Um, There are all things that we regret, but you you do have to surround yourself with people who are going to enrich your life. So if you're surrounded by people who are knocking you down or treating you badly, those aren't the people that you want to be around. If they don't enrich your life, it's not who you want to be around. But also on the counterpart of that is you also need to be somebody to enrich somebody else's life. And until you're well, you can't do that. So we are all perfectly imperfect, but we don't want to stay in a position where we're not able to to love ourselves and pay it forward for someone else. We can't do alone we need to have other people around us we're we not do. meant to live alone. no and, so and, 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 and faith helped a lot too with me because there was you know i've always been pretty optimistic even in even it, even when i'm depressed i'm pretty optimistic most of the time um okay you know so it was always that hope that things would get better like i don't while i know that i will go through things in life that are difficult or, or hard i also know and have hope in that you know, my higher power will get me through that one way or another. Yeah. You know, it's not that I'm not meant to go through hard things because we're all meant to go. That's part of the journey. That's part of growing. Mm-hmm. That's part of learning. You know, it's not that he doesn't give us hard things, but he doesn't give them to us alone. You know, he, he's there even in the moments where we think no one's there. He's there to help carry us through. And, and absolutely. And us, you know, it's like being a parent. Like my kids are not going to live a a hurt-free life. They're going to fall down. They're going to get scrapes. They're going to have bad things happen. They don't always get what they want. I can't, I can't fix that. I can't make their lives perfect. It's not my job. You know, it's my job to teach them how to handle that. And, 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 and sometimes when we look at it that way, like this is his way of doing the same thing, teaching us how to handle these things, teaching us how to get to where we need to be. Yeah, exactly. And, and actually enjoying the journey as we go. So one of the the scriptures that came to my mind is, it says hope deferred makes the heart sick. And so your message is really uh, be hopeful. Where you are now is yeah. not where you have to be. And when when you talk about the higher power, because I know there's a lot of talk out there, right. talk step programs mm-hmm. and things, they, they don't name who that higher power is. Do you know who your higher power is? Absolutely. And that would be the Lord and Jesus Christ. That's absolutely, you know, for me, that's is that something... That- have you always known that or is that a new discovery? It's something I've always, so I went to, when I was a small, small child, I went to a Christian school. So like, I've always had that, that in my life and, you know, saying prayers at the table and all of those things. Um, as I got to be an adult, 
you know, I found my own way of navigating and, and a lot of, and for a while really kind of pulled away. Not that I didn't believe in God because I always have, but I didn't, mm-hmm. I realized as I became an adult, I didn't believe in organized religion. And there's a difference between not believing in organized religion and not believing in God. I can believe in God and not believe mm-hmm. in organized religion. Um, and so for, you know, a couple of years, there really was kind of a disconnect with that. Everybody I know that's religious, you know, they're in church, they're, they're doing this, they're doing that. And sometimes people that do that are real judgmental that I don't do those things. Like, why don't mm. you go? Well, I, I don't want to get into it. And so very ironically, like when the opportunity presented itself when we were camping and I was able to you know, be baptized, it was this just perfect moment for me mm. with my journey with, with God. It was like this, here it is, you know, that was his, yep, here it is. You don't, you don't need to do these things for me to love you and for me to be here for you. you know? Oh, that's so good. And so, so good. it was just this great moment. And I, and I have, like, I, you know, I don't know that there's anybody that knows me that doesn't know that it took place because it was such this great moment, you know, mm-hmm. in time where it was, like I said, it was just, here it is. This is, you know, almost like a gift to me from him in, in yeah. finding you and having that weekend and, and, and being in that Creek and just being able to share that, you know, it was just this great this great piece where he was like, okay, here we go. Like, we're going to do this again. Hold my hand. Let's go. Yeah. You know? And so it's been really nice, you know, to Beautiful. have that. And, and the message that I, I really want to get out there and I'll go back to the, the hope deferred makes the heart sick and that we are all perfectly imperfect. He sees you right where you're at, but he loves you too much to leave you there. And he will continue pursuing you until you either completely turn away or you run to him as a loving father. So on that, Brandy, I just, I'm going to ask you to close with one word of wisdom for that young lady who is listening to this podcast and is struggling with her identity and who she is and how she screwed up and nobody's ever going to love me. Is there one thing that you could say to her simply to encourage her to love herself? Hmm. I mean, there's a lot of things and I'm trying to think of which one is the best. (laughs) You're just telling people, you know, you're perfect where you are and and with who you are. Like this is, this is no matter where that's at, you're, you're perfect right there. This is meant to (laughs) be, this is meant to be in your story, you know, grasp onto that and cherish it and, and move forward with it. You know, learn what it is you need to learn and just you know, keep mm. going in a forward direction. That's all you can do. Oh, that's so good. That That's going to speak to somebody. That's definitely going to speak to somebody. So. so thank you again, Brandy, for, for sharing your story with us. There was a lot thank you. that you uncovered. And I know there's a whole lot more I, I can have. Say, yeah, six more episodes. have to come back. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we'll have you as a repeat guest. All right. Absolutely. Thanks, Brandy. I love that. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye.